You have this anti-system movement. What we are seeing is a revolution against the system. So fixing the present system is not enough. Now there is, of course, a anti-system which is called libertarianism, which means to tear down everything which creates some kind of influence of government into private lives. It's demantling the system. Ooh, that's right, Klaus. You're goddamn right. That's exactly what libertarianism is. It is a plan to tear down everything that is the government. <laughs> this man actually understands what we're talking about. Who knew? This leads me into a really good point. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. Look, when he's talking about this, this is like the arch nemesis, right? This is the guy that wants to have state power to address every single aspect, every issue in society and civilization in the world all over. Big government. Big government working in tandem with big business. I'm sorry, my Klaus isn't on point today. It's better usually. Uh, but yeah, he wants to have them work in tandem with big business to control everything. And, and who does he view, who does he say explicitly is the antidote? His arch nemesis. Not, not Republicans, not conservatives, not Christian nationalists, libertarianism. Klaus Schwab said so. Not me. Klaus. Satan himself. Food for thought. Something to really mull over. He's not saying, because I think he understands deeply that the broader conservative movement has already been co-opted. The Republicans, do you think he fears them? No. He does fear the libertarian-leaning conservatives and Republicans out there. That's clear. And this leads me perfectly into the point that I wanted to make. I had a, a tweet today from some conservative lunatic that said, libertarianism provides zero defense against cultural rot and ill-intentioned groups of the population sowing social degradation for their own benefit. So yeah, let's break this down. Libertarianism provides zero defense against cultural rot. Now, who has been in control for the past hundred years since the beginning of the progressive era in the early 1900s in America? Well, it hasn't been the libertarians, has it? It has been handed off between the Republicans, the alleged conservatives, and the Democrats, back and forth, back and forth, libertarians never having any say. And where have we gotten? We've gotten to this point where now libertarians are blamed for everything, right? And I'd like to, to point out really where the cultural rot comes from and why blaming libertarianism is foolhardy at best and retarded as all get out at worst, to put it bluntly. The reason your culture is rotting from underneath your feet has nothing to do with Ron Paul, quite the contrary. Had you actually listened to him, we wouldn't be in this mess, but you didn't. You laughed him off, you called him a kook, you said no one would ever, blah, 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 right? So where did, it, where did we end up? Well, we ended up $34 trillion in debt. We ended up with both parents having to work, both parents barely able to put food on the table or living paycheck to paycheck. Most people, if they're lucky. Was that libertarianism that got them there? Was that the feminist movement? Or 
if you actually look at the root causes, does it stem from the advent of the Federal Reserve, the central bank, the printing press, the interest rate manipulation, the inflationary process? Is what, what came first? I think that's always a good way of diagnosing things, right? If you're trying to figure out correlation or causation, what came first? Did the feminist movement start? Is that the reason that so many women are in the workforce? And, and there's so, so few family units that are being started? Or was it that the Federal Reserve got its stranglehold on our economic system in 1913, and then the feminist movement came on I mean, it, it started soon after in terms of voting, but it didn't really start in terms of the workforce until decades later. And I think there's a fair argument to be made that it was the inflationary pressure that largely drove women out from the motherhood role and into the workforce. There's also you know corporations and governments working in tandem because they wanted to drive down labor costs. And if you get more workers, aka more supply, then that ultimately reduces prices. But it wasn't conservatives that prevented it, not even close. And I, I, my contention would be that the conservatives continue to fail in conserving anything because they fail to identify the root causes of the problems that they rightfully lament. And this is a good example of it. It says, libertarianism provides zero defense against cultural rot. Okay, well, you've had political power. And the culture has rotted. Is your argument simply that because Democrats have have grabbed power periodically and that's enough to defeat you? Because that's a pretty simplistic viewpoint, in my opinion. I think that the, the reality is that it's not just that Democrats have grabbed power here and there, you kind of hand it off like a baton, but rather your framework is flawed. You think that mandating some sort of Christian conservatism through the government is how you will get to the promised land. But if you actually reflect on it, if you take a step back and you drop your animosity towards the left and towards libertarianism, I think what you'd actually realize is that the state has zero incentive to ever foment a positive cultural framework. I mean, think about it. Why would they, right? Why would they want to uplift individuality and a belief in God or a belief in anything above the state? Of course they would not. But what do conservatives do by and large? 90 plus percent of them send their kids to public schools every single year. Well, they go onto Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they just lament how atrocious the public school system is and how these Marxist teachers are indoctrinating their children. But it gets worse. They don't stop there. They then proceed to send their kids to four years of university where if they didn't get indoctrinated from the Marxist professors in elementary school or middle school or high school, well, you're damn right. We're going to give them another four-year shot at it. Maybe six. Maybe look at their master's. Or God forbid they get the PhD, in which case they are sure to come out the other end as a raging leftist lunatic. And then you turn around as your kid comes home on the holidays and he says, Dad, you're racist. Capitalism is the problem. The founding of this nation is immoral. 
It should all be torn down. And your reaction to that is, these damn libertarians, they got to my kid again. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about what you're talking about. And it, what's very frustrating about this is that most conservatives, the good conservatives I, that I know, they argue fierce, fiercely in favor of personal responsibility. Do they not? My favorite libertarians do the same. Personal responsibility. That's what you talk about all the time. And God bless. I agree. But then when it comes to the downfall of your culture, when it comes to the downfall of your children and their minds and their education and their worldview, you turn around and you blame anyone but yourself. You don't take a, a second glance in the mirror and say, what could I have done differently? And the answer is quite obvious. If you were willing to do so, you'd have to acknowledge your own failures and you don't want to. And I get that. It's human. No one likes to admit their failures, especially when it comes to parenting. But if you put your children through public school and they come out the other end, some raging blue-haired leftist, and they start to talk about how they need to remove portions of their anatomy, you can't then turn around and go, these goddamn libertarians did it again. We had no political power. The only thing we've argued is diminish the power of the state, get to sound money, end the wars. Any of the best Republicans, all the conservatives that you usually espouse great favor towards, those are the same messages that they push. We're not the ones pushing sexual progressivism, uh, sexual progressivism on your children. We're not. That's not us. It's certainly not me. But it is the public school system that does that, by and large. In, your, in the most formative years of your child's life, but you don't, you, don't rem you don't extract them from that, from that indoctrination mill. No. The libertarians. God damn it. Ron Paul. How could he? It's an absurdity. And then they'll, oftentimes the extrapolation will be, it's because the libertarians stood by while gay marriage was being pushed. This utter canard that because gay marriage became legal, everything just fell apart. I could not disagree more with this assessment. Protection of children has always been paramount amongst libertarians and every other political stripe that's not insane. So here's the solution. Sound money. Stop the printing press. Stop the manipulation of the economy. Stop the crony capitalist model, stop the endless wars, stop the inflationary pressure that forces both parents to go to work, stop giving so much power to this government and particularly these, these supranational organizations like the United Nations or the World Economic Forum or any of these guys. These are actual answers. These are answers that don't point a finger at you and say, how dare you? I did that for the first half of this, but that's not really what I'm attempting to do here. I'm trying to get through to you to emphasize that there is a pathway forward. The pathway forward is not to try and harness the power of the biggest state in human history, which is what the American government is, but rather to diminish it and in that void, fill it with the culture that you expect to see in the world. You will not wield the power of the state 
into some sort of Christian renaissance. It ain't going to happen. You hear me? Not going to happen. If you don't believe me, just look at the military of this country. What would have been considered a bastion of conservative politics for the longest time. And you have the highest level, United States generals all the way up, that will espouse the most absurd variants of progressivism, where they will talk about how the recruitment crisis is predicated off of lies that are uh, prohibitive towards LGBTQ plus AI LMNOP families. Think about how absurd that is. And at the highest level of the military, this is what they're pushing. You think because you're going to get, I don't know, Donald Trump in there, that it's going to completely reverse things. I have bad news for you. Donald Trump was the president of the United States just three years ago, and he did it for four entire years. And that didn't change one iota. I could argue that it's actually gotten significantly worse, exponentially, perhaps. So you're not going to reform this system into your preference of state-sanctioned Christian values. So the only answer, I know this makes you feel terrible, but the only answer is to embrace the libertarian outlook of diminishing state power and then practicing what you preach when it comes to personal responsibility. And instead of expecting the state to rear your child properly or expecting the state to get out of your way, rather diminish the state so that they can't be in your way, in which case you can actually address what ails your children and yourself and your community and your culture and your church and your family and your nation. That is the pathway forward. I want to rant even harder about how you had an opportunity to have Ron Paul in 2008 and 2012. Instead, you went with motherfucking John McCain and Mitt Romney, which makes me feel as if perhaps you won't ever hear what I have to say. But I'm going to, I'm going to hope that in light of the tens of trillions of dollars of national debt that has been added since 08, in light of the lockdowns of 2020, and the mandates and the endless wars and the war against the proxy war against Russia and now the war uh, that we're funding also between Israel and Palestine I'm I'm going to hope that in light of all that on top of the the sexual progressive agenda that's been forced or foisted I should say upon your children along with the the racial divisiveness that has been pushed from the political establishment I'm going to hope that over that 15 year period you have seen the light or at least after listening to me today, you might reconsider that perhaps libertarianism is not what is destroying your nation, but rather could be part of the remedy, along with tremendous effort and personal responsibility. Something that no politician wants to ever say to any constituent. They never want to tell you, I'm going to get out of your way, but then it's, then it's on you. I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to give you a solution to everything in your life, but rather I'm going to give you an opportunity by getting the fuck out of your face. That's the answer. 
It has always been the answer. It will always be the answer. And it is the answer right now. But we are running out of time. That's the truth. And if you don't listen to me, here's what Canada is doing. And you know, it's just a preview of what's coming to the United States OA. Introduce uh, a framework to develop a guaranteed livable basic income. We are struggling throughout this country with homelessness, food insecurity, poverty, health, mental health issues. And this is one way that we could start to look at these issues. It's not the only way, but it's certainly a key way. And I think we've gathered a great deal of data to show the positive consequences of offering people the opportunity. Half of Canadians are pessimistic about their personal finances. A quarter of low-income families cannot pay for monthly expenses. You gotta love it when the uh, the doctor that made you made you sick prescribes you the same medicine. Says, so "I just gotta up your dose. Just gotta up your dose, Clint." Tell me, I'm wrong. Is that not exactly what this is? An economy that's in tatters because you have such an unbelievably top-down based system, so much power within the government. And then you look at it and you go, man, our people are poor. We got to take more money from them and then we got to print it and hand it out. Or better yet, we won't take more money. We'll just print out more and hand out more and that'll make them feel better. There is no, I mean, there is really no hope for Western nations that are led by people with this worldview. They never reassess their priors, which is exactly what my opening was all about. It was a plea to the Republican slash conservative audience out there to reassess your priors. Is the GOP the answer? I don't know, maybe, maybe someday. It certainly doesn't appear to be imminently, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write off all political avenues for solutions because I, I tend to think that they could be the most peaceful. Now, they may also be the most unlikely, but I am ultimately interested in peace. So I'll keep that as an option on the table. But if you have leadership like this in place, the type of leadership that says, well, you know, people's standards of living are really struggling. Sure, we printed trillions of dollars over the past couple of years and it completely decimated the economy. Oh, did I mention that we locked down the entire economy? Because Canada did that too. Did I mention that we, we seized the assets of a bunch of truckers that were just out peacefully protesting? Did I mention that? Did I mention that we seized their assets? The literal lifeblood of an economic system. The guys who bring material goods from A to B. We arrested them. Sometimes we beat the crap out of them too. Yeah, yeah that was us. But we're not going to reflect on anything that we did to destroy the economy. We're going to prescribe more printing. Because based off of our studies, people like the sound of free money. Interesting. Interesting that, that the people that are poor would like more money. I, nev I never would have guessed. I would have never guessed that people that are struggling to get by would want to raise at work. Oh, but it's not a raise at work. It's just printed garbage. It's confetti. It's dog shit. And it debases the entire framework of your system. It basically nullifies every aspect of price signaling and everything else. But who will benefit? Well, once again, it won't be the little guy. Sure, some of the people that are like starving, they might be able to eat. But let's be honest, most people in Canada aren't starving. It's a 
practically nobody. Certainly not in America either. So that's not really the issue. But you know who it does benefit? Well, it benefits the government because they get to then dictate who gets that UBI. They get to say, hey, you know that social media post? Oh, going to have to delete that. Oh, you don't want to delete it? No UBI. And that's that's the, the mild, that's the moderate phase of the rollout. Five, ten years down the road, then you're the UK. Then it's uh, that post you put? We think it's hate speech. And uh, not only is your UBI cut off, but also you're cut off from the banking system. Oh, you don't like that? Well, we might press charges for hate speech too. Oh, now you're radical? Oh, well, we might also use our domestic terrorism spying apparatus to just totally ruin your life. Put you away forever. Aren't you glad that you signed up for that UBI? Didn't that work out awesome? Oh, it's a trap, folks. Make no fucking mistake. UBI is the biggest trap of all time. It will be the end of freedom in your nation. And if it's UBI paired with CBDC, well, then it's probably the end of freedom on Earth. Because it is a full global surveillance panopticon where they are able to track every single transaction on Earth. I mean, at least any of the legal ones, which the vast majority would be. And then they could just cut off they could just cut off payment corridors. They can just sh cut off your account. Uh, you said the wrong thing. Wrong think, baby. Bye-bye. No money for you. No food. These people are pure evil, man. And the way I view it, Canada is always a testing ground for what they intend to do in America. So the reason, I, I kind of like California. Ca California and Canada, very similar. They are the testing ground for the worst ideas. And coincidentally... UBI is also being openly discussed along with reparations in my former home state slash great state of California. Not so great anymore. And certainly not my home anymore. Tragic. Absolutely tragic. But this is what happens. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, my business is getting robbed every day by armed robbers. Well, you're not allowed to own a gun. We're also not going to send the police to enforce property rights. And uh, we'll offer you UBI when you shut down your business and you're homeless. Oh, you're upset with that? Well, now you're a domestic terrorist. Bye-bye. Same shit. Same shit as Canada. It's coming for us. Reject it. Reject it with all your might. There is there is no path forward once you have a CBDC UBI. Not going to happen. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Ammunition. It's the best motherfucking ammo company on the planet. Did you hear me? The best. The best quality, the best memes, the best newsletter. It's just the best. PhoenixAmmo.com. Go get some. It's Christmas. Your, your, your uncle needs some. He's a hunter. Your, your dad's a prepper. You're a lunatic. You got to get it from the most based ammo company in all the land. And it is not even a close race. The best out there. PhoenixAmmo.com. There's no promo code because they give you the best deals all day, every day. So you don't need a discount. You just go buy from the best. Don't buy from these woke bullshit companies. Get it from the based legend themselves. PhoenixAmmo.com. If you guys remember a couple months ago, it was Tucker Carlson who said during an interview that he knew for a fact, that's what he said. I, I don't have any evidence of it, but this is this is his claim that he knew for a fact that some of his former co-workers were CIA assets. 
or agents. I don't know what she said, but one or the other. And I just found this clip interesting because Catherine Herridge is who many people suspected he was talking about. It's one of two. It's either her or another lady. But Catherine Herridge had this to say. Well, mine's a little dark. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. Not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China, and Iran. And that's what uh, concerns me most. What I found most fascinating about that is she, she references the wars in Ukraine and Israel, but then she says that the threats in her estimation would be from Iran, North Korea, and China. She does not mention Russia. So why would the war in Ukraine lead you to believe that China could be the, the bad actor? in this national security event that you are prognosticating. Interesting, right? Very interesting. Which leads me to believe that she was read in on something. And what she was read in on, if I had to guess, this is me hypothesizing, it is not that they have any hard evidence that there's an imminent attack coming from one of these foreign actors, but rather they intend to blame Iran, North Korea, and China for whatever they've got cooked up for 2024. That's what I hear. Call me crazy. But if you're going to float something like that on national TV, she's on CBS in the morning saying that. How about you give us something? Give us some evidence. Give us, give us why you think that. Because she doesn't. I don't know if you didn't notice, but she does not give you any idea of why she feels that way. But she just has a creeping feeling. Just, you know, just with the heightened threat level. The persistent heightened threat level that's, you know, what what, what the fuck does any of this spook talk mean? I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think it does mean. I think she's a spook. That's what I think. Sorry, Catherine. That's what I think. And I think that everything that you have to say is signaling what you intend to do to us not what you intend to pr protect us from. And let me also add, to all of the government officials that, are, that have completely shredded the Bill of Rights in the name of national defense, through the Patriot Act and the re-up of FISA 702 just a few weeks ago, then you have, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was Comey, it was the latest FBI dude gets up on Capitol Hill a couple weeks ago and he says, well, we have to re-up 702 because there's all these uh, you know, potential domestic terrorist events, threats, and like we, we're hearing chatter. We, uh, there's nothing we can do to stop it. Whose job is that? Why have you taken so much of my privacy rights away, the Bill of Rights broadly, search and, search and seizure, anything? You've taken it all away. And you, and you can't, you can't then get up there and say, we're hearing a lot of stuff, but we're on the job. This is what we're here for. No, they don't say that. They don't say that at all. Quite the contrary. They go, we expect a significant terrorist attack next year. 
Catherine Herridge, CBS, gets up there. Yeah, not looking good for 2024. Well, hey, Catherine, how about you talk to your CIA handler and say, why don't you stop it? Why don't you actually stop? Why don't you do your job and stop it? Oh, because that's not really your job, is it? I don't think it is. I honestly don't think so. I honestly don't think that the majority of their job is to actually protect this nation. It is to grab and inculcate more power for themselves. And I'm sick to fucking death of it. I am so exhausted by having my liberty stripped away in the name of protection, in the name of safety, and then being told how unsafe I am, how endangered I am. If that's the case, if you are the largest government in human history, which you are, if you are the largest state but or national budget that in human history, which which you are, if you have so many cutouts in, in new laws and everything else that allows you to circumvent the Bill of Rights, which you do, and you still can't protect this nation, well then you're all fired. Pink slips for everybody. You're all fired. None of you get paid another penny. You don't get to rob me, take all of my liberty away, take all of my rights away, and then turn around on the inverse and say, need more money, you're in danger. Fuck off. I'm not interested. This is a bad business deal. You have taken everything from me. You continue to rob me blind. You want more money, and you're still telling me you can't stop shit. And then you send your media apparatus out there, like Captain Herridge, and she's supposed to just fearmonger me into what? Giving you more of my privacy away? How much more can I give? I don't. I can't send an email or a text message. I can't send fucking anything. I'm not even sure if I were to power my phone off if my fucking TV isn't listening to me. And I'm not schizophrenic. I'm just being honest. I think you have spying apparatus everywhere. You have satellites that apparently are able to fucking do a full global spectrum of the entire Earth 24-7 that can then be looked back in hindsight. And you can just track a vehicle anywhere. Anywhere it goes. You have all of this technology and you can't stop a fucking thing. Nothing you can do to stop it. Why do you exist then? So that you could go and fucking harass old ladies that were wandering around the Capitol? That's your job, huh? This is why you exist? Well, no, actually, no. Our, we, I mean, we have to get full funding so that we can plant information against a sitting president and then try and coup him through multiple impeachment attempts. Well, we gotta have we gotta have funding for that, don't you know, Clint? We gotta have all the funding in the world for that. I reject that. I don't want to pay you anymore. Abolish the motherfucking FBI and the CIA while you're at it, and then do the Department of Education and Energy and everything else, and just down the fucking line. Y'all don't do shit right. Stop taking my money. Fuck off. That's the answer. That's that's my political outlook 2024. Get fucked. I don't know why, I don't know why you think that I shouldn't be upset with your performance. You take everything, provide nothing, and then you propagandize me on CBS in the morning telling me how endangered I am. You're scumbags, man. Jesus. And speaking of, CNN has an article entitled 
how 2023 has been the year on the or the year of the brink and 2024 could be worse awesome cnn's also in the job of fear-mongering it could have been immeasurably worse but holding back from the brink in 2023 has simply deferred vast crises to 2024 how do you know that i don't know the post-covid world is exhausted, cash-strapped, but ultimately more fraught than, de than for decades. Overshadowing it all will be a flagging hyperpower, at, at best distracted with presidential elections, at worst tearing itself apart in voting disputes and political extremism. The likelihood the United States will be occupied by its own traumas amplifies each risk. The geopolitical given, uh, the geopolitical given of a U.S. response will be absent, fueling authoritarian ambition or radical upending of the global order. 2024 could make 2023 seem rational and sober. Woohoo! Unfortunately, I tend to agree, but not for the reasons this, this author thinks. One tiny bright spot is that China has not invaded Taiwan yet, despite countless military maneuvers around it. I love that. What about the countless military maneuvers of, I don't know, like the U.S. Pacific Fleet? Any, any, any words about that? Because they're really far away from their homeland. I guess that would not be countless military maneuvers. Uh, and in the South China Sea around the Philippines, a clock is ticking in Beijing as a demographic crisis looms in the form of an aging population and shrinking workforce, and with it, a likely economic sh showdown. The Chinese daydream of Xi Jinping may struggle to deliver, and this could lead to foreign policy excesses to be euphemistic. Taiwan is going to the polls next year, and it's fate with Biden publicly committed to put U.S. boots on the ground and its defense remains the wild card of the decades ahead. The state of the world's nuclear powers is as fraud as it has ever been. We have discussed the turmoil in the U.S., Russia, China, and Israel. India is cozying up to worrying authoritarian and nationalist trends. Pakistan is again seeing an Islamist insurgency coupled with revolving political crises. And North Korea is giving old artillery munitions to Moscow so it can shell Eastern Europe and firing rockets over Japan. The arrival of 2024 does not mean we need to dig fallout shelters in the backyard or move to southern Argentina, but it does leave the world in a place more precarious than we have seen in decades. The good news is the very worst did not happen this year, so it might not in the next or ever. Oh, well, nice little ending there at the end, huh? You know, I've been reflecting a lot on, I, I think everybody does this year end. You always reflect on what you, what you just went through and what you, I, I actually don't usually reflect very much on what I just did. I usually am like forward looking. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but, um, yeah, first off, I just wanted to say incredible year. Uh, my life has been changed dramatically and, and for the better, uh, couldn't have done it without you guys support. By the way, if you want to continue to support my work, I would really appreciate it. As you can tell, I don't do a lot of ad reads on the show. I could do a lot more. The reason I don't is because I feel like it diminishes your listening experience. So if you would like me to continue to do less ad reads, the easiest way to do so is libertylockdown.locals.com. Now I'll shut up and get back to what I was talking about. So yeah, this past year, totally crazy politically. And I think that 2024 will be crazier, unfortunately. And I don't say so to fear monger, but just rather because I tend to look at the trends of things and say, well, has the crazy slowed down from 2016 to today? Has it slowed down? I guess it is. It has slowed down from the apex of the lockdowns, <laughs> like slightly. Um, I mean, we did start right after the lockdowns, a proxy war with the largest nuclear power on Earth. So, well, my life got better in terms of like existential threat, got a lot worse. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but it certainly hasn't come to a screeching halt in terms of crazy. So my my belief is that the trend line will probably remain intact and not revert totally to the mean, and that's not good news. And the reason I, I particularly believe that is because Donald Trump is still the leading 
you know, candidate in the presidential elections, and it's not really close. And the election is just 11 months away, and they have signaled that they are willing to do absolutely anything to stop this guy. So why would I possibly think that it's going to get less crazy with that being not really an expectation, but kind of a given? They're going to try and do anything to stop this guy. Okay, so that's a given. So what does that mean? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It means it means that you could absolutely run into a, a buzzsaw of a year if they, if they actually convict him and put him behind bars. God help us. If the conservatives, once again, don't believe that the election is legitimate and he loses, God help us. If he wins and the left riots and goes ballistic, God help us. I don't see how, I do not see how we go through 2024 and we come out the other end going, well, that was no big deal. That was, you know, we're back to 2000. I guess 2000 was crazy too. We're back to 96. <laughs> like, like, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. So I guess instead of, fear-mongering or worrying about what might happen, I would just impart in you uh, encouragement that you have a tremendous ab amount of uh, you know capacity to improve your position in life. And while civil society is in relative calm, I think it's a good, good chance, good opportunity to do so, to take advantage of that. And that's certainly what I'll be doing. I'll be trying to get myself in better shape, you know, New Year's resolution and all that. And I hope that whatever comes, uh, I will be watching it and analyzing it closely for you guys. And I, I hope it helps. And I will certainly give any updates as I come across more economic updates, obviously the political stuff I cover all the time. And just want to like really encourage you to, to feel deeply that you are you are better prepared than the vast majority of people. And if you look at historical crises, any like world wars, everything, any, any just cataclysmic event in human history, it's still, it's still the vast majority of people that get through it. The vast, vast majority. And just knowing that you're the type of person that's listening to this every week, multiple times per week, tells me you are almost certainly the type that is dramatically more prepared both financially, just intelligence-wise, outlook-wise, drive-wise, there's just no there's just no way that my audience is going to be the ones that are holding the short end of the stick uh, come you know later this year. I just don't think so. So I don't know. Ro like roll into 2024 with some real, real like I'm going to I'm going to conquer this year as opposed to. Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like I, I, I understand the oh shit, oh shit sensation. Believe me, I do. It is, it is a little bit nerve wracking. Like who knows anything could happen. But at the same time, like we weathered 2020. <laughs> like that was insane. We weathered the best eight years, seven years have been totally nuts. So you will get through, you will get through and focus on what matters most. Family, your, your self-improvement, your mental health, all these things. And uh, you'll be all right. Hang in there. Today's episode is also brought to you by NadeauShaveCo.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN to get yourself 15% off. Christmas has just passed, but maybe you got some money in those Christmas cards from Nana. Did she give you, like, I remember my grandma used to give me uh, a dollar for every year I'd been alive. <clears throat> but, like, by the time I was, you know, 20, it felt like I was actually, you know, almost able to get a tank of gas. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma. 
Rest in peace. <laughs> Jesus, what a terrible thing to say during an ad. Um, but yeah, if you got any, if you got any gift cards, if you got any money, and you want to get the best razor in the game, stainless steel, single blade, bad motherfucker. That's the facts. Promo code lockdown, fifteen percent off. N a d e a u shaveco.com. Enjoy your shave. A couple of weeks ago, Van Jones went absolutely bonkers over Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's listen to the clip. And the smug, condescending way that he just spews this poison out is very, very dangerous because he won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue that is a very, very despicable person. Yeah. And I, I'm, I literally, I, I, was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know that is one step away from Nazi propaganda coming out of his mouth. <laughs> one step away. Wow. It's a lot less steps than I imagined. Uh, but this is where it gets good. So Vivek's team digs up a clip of Van Jones talking about replacement. I'll just leave it at that because I don't know what I'm allowed to say. And this clip is just too good to be real. Asking the white majority to do something is difficult. And I think it'd be easier if we just acknowledge that it's difficult. No ethnic majority group in 10,000 years of human history that I could find ever went from being a majority to being a minority and liked it. And that's basically the request from the racial justice left, is that we want the white majority to go from being a majority to being a minority and like it. That's a tough request. And the reality is that change is hard. Change that you want is hard. Change that is good is hard. So yeah. Is Vivek that close to being a Nazi or rather is he actually over the target? And that's exactly what you're talking about. And now for the record, I've never been a white nationalist. I've all, I've, I grew up in San Diego. I am very accustomed to cultural diversity. And I think that on net, it has a tremendous amount of positives. That being said, having open borders and having three to 10 million people come across undocumented most military fighting age single men there's a reason there's a reason for concern if you look at europe if you look at the uptick in violent crime if you look at the uptick in assaults on women there is total justifiable concern amongst the more closed border type gop voters out there like tremendous reason for concern that we're not talking about a half a million people illegally migrating to America every year. If we were, I would not think it's a big deal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so at all, but that's not what we're talking about. And I think that the open borders libertarians need to really reflect on where this leads us. And I know I lose audience every time I talk about this, but I don't care because I think it's the right thing to say. Or I think it's the right way of viewing things, I should say. Because I'm telling the truth. If you have 10 million people that, sh that have, some of them will have similar cultural outlooks, but a huge, huge portion of them will not. And the incentive structure that's being offered for them to, to take that leap of faith, to take that risk and come across the border, is not what it once was. 
It is not the same incentive structure that was presented to people in the 1800s or even the early 1900s or even the 1950s. The incentive structure that's being offered today, that's being presented, is that our borders are open and if you get across, you'll be taken care of. Not just you, but your entire family. And if you get here and you have a kid, well then we'll let you bring the rest of your family from wherever you're from and they'll all be taken care of. Now, I think that the majority of immigrants do not come across for that reason. But if that's the signal that's coming from the federal government, which you'd have to be lying to yourself to say that that's not the signal that many Democrats push. People try to discourage you from voting. If you want to vote and you show up at your polling place, they can't stop you from voting. Mm. They can't stop you from voting. Many of the millennials, dreamers, undocumented uh, citizens, and I call them citizens because they contribute to this country, are fearful of voting. So if I vote, will immigration know where I live? Will they come for my family and deport us? Not true. The sanctity of the vote is strictly confidential in terms of who you voted for. If you have a family member who maybe is undocumented, then you have an even greater reason to vote. Well, then what does that mean? It means 10, maybe 20% do come across for that purpose. And if you have 10 million people coming across, that means you have a million to 2 million people that are coming across, not to work to better their lives, but to be given a better life. The entitlement of this modern migration cycle, I think will be ultimately the downfall primarily because we are not in the financial condition that we were even 20 years ago. The national debt was only around 10 trillion. It's 34 trillion. We're gonna pay more in interest on our debt than we spend on national defense this year. That is not sustainable. And it is not sustainable to have millions of people coming across expecting to have everything given to them. On top of that, you already have such, such social discohesion, if that's a word, that I fear that the otherization that is already being uh, you know, propagated on both sides, where white people are being told that they're the enemy, and then white people and conservatives are being told that the immigrants are the enemy and they're the dangerous one. Well, where do, does that lead to anything positive? I think if you're being reasonable about it, the answer is clearly probably not. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's clearly no, but it's clearly probably not. So I think that we really need to, to get real about this. We need to actually have a serious conversation about what we want this immigration policy to be. And I, for one, will say unashamedly, unabashedly, I do not think that having 10 million or so we don't really know the numbers, obviously, since it's illegal, but 10 million or so come across undocumented, particularly given that we have been in decades long, illegal, unconstitutional, immoral wars, destroying all of these nations. And now we're just going to open our borders up and say, we'll see what happens. Because God knows the Democrats need more voters. And I know that that'll probably trigger some people and say, oh, you're just a Fox News guy now. It's true, though. You hear these people talk about it. Like, There's Democrat politicians that are on mic saying, like, this is the future. We're going to have more and more 
minority voters because of our immigration policies, and we're going to allow them to vote. They are already passing bills in New York and California to allow for undocumented migrants to be able to vote. The Democrats are not doing this out of the kindness of their heart. They're not doing it for the reasons that the open borders libertarians might prefer this. They're doing it because they want to put a stranglehold on the electoral process so they can then propagate more and more anti-capitalist narratives. You cannot have both. You can have tremendous mass migration to a nation if you have a small government with a small national debt with an incentive structure that says, if you work hard, you will have a great life and we welcome you. But you need to learn our language and you need to get to work. That's not what this is. That's not at all what this is. There is no inclusion process that's happening. There is no pull yourself up by the bootstraps, we ain't giving you shit type of mentality. That's not what this is. So, gotta get real. Just as you would say uh, a welfare program ultimately hurts other communities throughout this country, well, a big welfare safety net for illegal immigrants, same issue. And it doesn't just hurt them, it also hurts the broader population because they're the ones that end up paying for it. And if they're the ones that end up paying for it and they realize that, they're going to get really, really fucking mad. And all you have to do is look at Europe and look at the, the Geert, Geert, uh, Wilders win recently in the Netherlands or look at the you know Poland recently. They were looking very, very hard right until a couple months ago when it lefty won again. But the only way you can keep the pendulum from swinging from the hard, hard left to the hard, hard right is to not have this exact recipe because that's exactly what's going to happen. If, if there, if this immigration issue continues unabated, you are going to have a hard, hard right movement in this country. And I don't want to live in that world either. I don't want to live in it any more than I do the hard, hard left one that we're headed in right now. But if that pendulum swings, it's going to be vicious. So let's get real. Let's talk about it seriously. Let's not be in philosophy realm, but in like, how can we actually address this without it getting completely out of hand? If you disagree, leave a comment. I'm sure many of you will. Get you out of here on this. It's RFK talking Israel. Hamas has made a stand. They're putting civilians in the way. What is Israel supposed to do? We can't leave Hamas in there. But Bobby, I don't think we should accept that. They've yeah. rendered Gaza City uninhabitable. You have collective punishment of 2.2 million people who are having their access to water, food, fuel, medicine blocked right now by Israel. Well, do you think that it's acceptable to impose a siege on the entire civilian population in Gaza? First of all, I don't think that's happening. Second of all, anybody who's deliberately targeting civilians, they should be prosecuted and they should be jailed and the key should be thrown away but you know i don't see any proof of that but the government announced they were doing a complete seizure we did collective punishment of iraq we actually I'm killed trying to justify yeah. that either here oh, but why are we just going after the jews why no, 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 is no. it only what the israel does we, well, let me just no, finish this right now tax dollars are going to fund what's going on why are we blaming israel why are we because blaming they're the, the ones people? dropping the bombs they have with the, our dollars they have this is one of the most painful interviews. Shout out to Crystal Ball. Not often I'm complimentary to her, and I've been very complimentary to RFK, and I apologize that I can't be that today. I can't. It's terrible. His take is terrible. He's saying, 
Why only when it's Israel that's doing it do we do we get upset? No, actually, anyone that's actually anti-war has been extraordinarily critical of what the U.S. empire has done too. He can't he can't bring up Iraq and Afghanistan to. I would imagine Crystal was against those. I don't know for sure. Certainly, every good libertarian I know was against it. So yeah, Bobby, you're not gonna you're not gonna call us hypocrites. Just as he made such a compelling counter argument to the Russia is pure abject evil narrative when it came to the war in Ukraine, he is capable of doing that here. But it tells me everything I need to know about this guy that he is not being honest about this conflict, and you can decide for yourself why. But he's not. He is not telling the truth. He's saying. Anybody who's committing, uh, you know, wanton violence against civilian population, locked up, locked up, throw away the key. And he goes, but I'm not, I, I, I've seen no proof that that's happening. Bobby, 8,000 kids. That's, that's the most recent figures. Approximately 20,000. Some people say it's north of 30,000. I'll, I'll take the conservative number and say 20,000 people. The estimates are somewhere around 1,000 of those were combatants. So you've got... Let's say, let's take again an even more conservative estimate and just say 15,000. You know what? Fuck it. We'll be really conservative. Say 12,000 of those casualties, of those deaths, were civilians, non combatants. That is a catastrophic figure. You cannot say that you are doing everything in your power to protect innocent life if that's the type of casualty figures. I'd even say if it was a thousand, two thousand, maybe, still pretty goddamn reckless. But given that you you were attacked and you lost a thousand innocent people, okay, okay. If you ten x that, if you fifteen x that, if you twenty x that, at some point you have to say what the fuck is happening here. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And I'm disappointed. I guess that's that's just the broader point on it is that I had such great hope for this guy because he was so good on the FBI, the CIA, the DHS, the, the Fauci, the pharma, the endless wars. He was terrible on finances always cause he's a lefty, but he was good on these other things. And on this, it's just like, this is just, it's, it's so career ending. Like the people he's trying to appeal to, are the disaffected left. Sure, some of the disaffected right too, but primarily disaffected left. If you're running as a Democrat and then you opt out and you go independent, you're you're primarily targeting the disaffected left. And the huge percentage of the disaffected left that would actually hear his message and consider voting for him are the people that are extraordinarily upset about what's happening in Gaza right now. So even from a political outlook it just makes no sense at all which tells me that there is either financial imperative or threats that he's dealing with and i don't know which but regardless i am totally convinced that this is not his actual belief or he's just not digging because he doesn't want to know the truth one or the other because he was more than capable of digging to know the truth when it came to russia ukraine you can you can answer as to why he's not willing to find the truth here i don't know Pretty strange, huh? 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I want to read a couple of the five-star reviews. Uh, you guys have been bombarding me with them. I really appreciate it. The algorithms are boosted to the moon. Thanks to y'all. Continue to do so. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I, I don't know if you can do it on other podcast apps, but do it there too, if you can. First up, five stars. Luke in Orlando says, The voice of sanity, liberty, lockdown makes clear, well-reasoned arguments. Clint has been consistent and over the last several years proven correct numerous times. Every time. Every time, Luke in Orlando. Uh, five, I'm just kidding. I've got some stuff wrong. Uh, five stars for Mayor. Uh, loving Liberty. Apple won't let me rate 10 stars. True to his base. Allegiance to Liberty. Not someone who changes his views for an agenda. Thank you very much. Red Mopar says, five stars. Good perspective. The media would have you believe there is only a left and right perspective. Clint shows another. Well, that's awesome. I do try to. Uh, Wildebeest1022 says, great podcast. Clint is the man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Shoot the Moon Mom says Clint is cool. Met Clint once. He said I was based, very based. <laughs> Clint genuinely cares for others and wants the world to be a more prosperous and peaceful place. This is always apparent in his shows. It is, it's true. So I'm glad that it's apparent. Thank you so much. Uh, Gritty67 says five stars. Clint hustle. Dude hustles and gets a ton of episodes out, most of which are awesome. The others that aren't awesome are still solid. Believe me, it's tremendous. <laughs> uh, Ricky Owen says Lo uh, Liberty Loves Pod. My man Clint kills it every week. Never miss an episode. Great Twitter follow too. Thank you, Ricky. Yoshi Man says, Clint isn't a sellout. Just love you. Thank you, Yoshi. Uh, Kate Straight Kate Strait says, Freedom. Clint is a smart dude. This is a must listen for an actual libertarian who loves Ron Paul. I agree. If you love Ron Paul, you should love this show. Because I love him. Dan Dord says, Five stars, old standby. A lot of podcasts come and go, but I can't. <laughs> but I can't quit this one. Always great, always insightful, and always very informational with the stuff I want to know about. Clint, you should do some crossovers with Robbie on Run Your Mouth. I'm sure you guys can talk for hours about finance, etc. Yeah, I, Robbie and I have done each other's shows a bunch of times, but we haven't done it in a long time. I don't know what's going on. We gotta, we gotta talk. We're both both busy dudes lately. Uh, Don Malbeck says five stars. Bots are gay. Hope this balances out. At least one beta bot keeps spitting the truth. Thank you. Hockey Lips says five stars. Liberty Lack. I used to be a cop. Clint isn't a huge fan of the police, but I have enjoyed his content since the beginning. Well, I am I am a huge fan of people that put their lives on the line to do the right thing. I just think that uh, the nature of the job makes it that you have to do the wrong thing periodically, and I don't like that. But I, I don't. I'm not one of those like all cops are bad type of dudes. Um, but I just hope that those that are in that position do so with honor. And yeah, sounds like you're probably one of them. Uh, five stars, USS Liberty, 1967. Liberty, you're bust. Clint is the man tackling current events from the only sensible position, Libertarian. This show has a lot to offer and provides a light in this purposely dark world. Even though he's sleepy, Clint hits the nail on the head every time. Much love and respect. On Tire Gang, they constantly joke about how I sleep too much. I don't think I do, but, you know, whatever. Uh, a Free Climber says five stars. Well done, sir. Well thought through discussions and observations of exposing anti-freedom and liberty. I enjoy the show very much. Keep up the great work. In less than a year, you are in my top three podcasts. I listen to them 12 hours a day, so my list is huge. Big fa fan now. Heard you on Timcast's past spring time frame. Very cool. Free climber. I, I really appreciate that. I love it when people uh, hear me elsewhere. They follow me over, and then they enjoy it even more than they expected. Five stars. Golf. This is great podcast for independent thinkers. Always a great listen. I'm sorry there's so many to read today, but I haven't read them in a couple months. So there's a ton. Uh, but I really appreciate all these five-star reviews. Please leave some yourself. Uh, Reset says five stars. Thoughtful, honest. Always learn a ton from this podcast. Uh, the perspectives here have fundamentally changed my way of thinking about the world, the economy, and global politics. I'm relatively new to the podcast, and every time I listen, I walk away thinking it's the only thing that has made any sense to me in years. That's awesome. 
I really, I'm really glad to hear that. And I think that that's how a lot of people that had the predisposition of libertarianism, they like, once they hear a libertarian talk at length, they go like, ah, shit. Like, yeah, that, that just makes sense. That's how I was. Every time I heard Ron Paul talk, I was just like, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, five stars, FCC ruined everything. Why aren't you listening yet? Stop reading this and listen. I agree. Gasman's iTunes says five stars. Absolutely fantastic. Phenomenal subject matter. Extremely well-reasoned and balanced and also a lot of fun. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I do try and keep it fun. Uh, Polly Boy and this says five stars. My favorite podcast. I originally found this podcast through another favorite libertarian podcast review with Tyler Jenke. I am so grateful that I did. Many times I feel like it's me against the world as far as my viewpoints are concerned. And it is amazing listening to somebody who views the world in such an intelligent way and is able to articulate it so succinctly. Clint has been awesome for my ability to spread ideas by sharing and listening with others in my inner circle. Thanks again for what you do. I subscribed on Twitter and will continue to support you. I very much appreciate the resource you're providing. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. You're the best. Uh, got a couple more here. Uh, oh, we got a bad review. You know how we like to read these and talk shit to the guy. Uh, your Dak W says, this is not realistic and a fantasy. This podcast is a person from America who's never been to the places he has talked about. He talks out of emotion and not facts in the ground. His emotional delusions ruin the good he has spoken about. Oh, your Dak W sound like you got upset because I didn't support an endless war on behalf of Israel. Sorry, buddy. Uh, or maybe you love Ukraine. I don't know which <laughs> I'm a non-interventionist. So if that bothers you, you should, you should have known Uh great show. DFSLT 79 says another great show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Derek Sheriff says great analysis of current events. I never miss a podcast episode. I applaud his efforts to spread the truth. Thank you, Derek. Berkir says five stars. A must listen. I've long since given up on legacy media. This show is wonderful for anyone interested in knowing the truth about what's going on in the world today on a variety of topics, but especially political. Keep up the great work, Clint. I shall, Berkir. Uh, Rai Rai Avril 89 says, one of the great libertarian podcasts out there. Great, great work, Clint. You are doing great work, brother. Thank you, Rai Rai. Bales, last one. Five stars, Bales 400 says, keep them coming. You ask for fee feedback. Please do not stop putting out these episodes. This is one of my favorites and I share with anyone that's ready to listen. Well, I really appreciate that. Uh, sharing is absolutely the way that this show has had the success it's had. Uh, I am not treated favorably by the YouTube algos. And as you can tell, I have been off of YouTube for the past 30 days because I caught yet another strike, like my fourth or fifth strike throughout my three-year career. Uh, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's just the people I have on. It's not even the subject matter. They hit me for a strike uh, with the shaman and they said that I was advocating for violence it's just completely false but what happens is because i then can't post for 30 days like as the algorithm was starting to like me more i was doing three four five thousand viewers per episode sometimes all the way up to 10 or 20 or 50 but <clears throat> as soon as you don't post for 30 days then you're back at the bottom of the totem pole on the algorithm you know loop-de-loop -loop. so this is this is why it is so so important that you guys share the show and let people know about it because you know, I'm not giving a message that the tech overlords really appreciate. Uh, but again, I really do appreciate you guys for everything. And uh, my life is just infinitely interesting. And I feel so fulfilled to get to talk about this stuff. And, to, you know, just to have a voice in this madness. And I'm, I'm glad that so many of you have found a home with me here. And I hope that uh, this is only the beginning. Thank you guys. As always, uh, please do hit the like button subscribe and leave a comment. Talk soon. Peace.
Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?